Recently, I caught myself binge-watching a Netflix series on dogs, entitled, well, Dogs. And I reflected how long I interacted with a Netflix brand that day. And then I asked myself what goals Netflix colleagues had for how long they should keep me watching. And uh, how about other brands? Do brand teams think how much time they will engage us? It really got me interested how long brands want us to interact with them and whether that is a factor that influences how we buy them and how we stay loyal to them. And as easily comprehensible as it gets, it will of course depend on the roles brands are designed to play in our lives. So I started this exploration with a concept we discussed in the episode 17 of our podcast, Brands Jab, when we considered two types of brands role. A fixer when a brand is fixing some problem, or a booster when a brand is rewarding you. With this concept, academically speaking, we can conclude very simply that consumers should interact with the brand for only as long as they have to, whenever they seek to solve a problem, or as long as they want to, when they want to reward themselves. That would mean that interaction with the fixer brands, those solving problems, should be as short as possible and interaction with booster brands rewarding you should be as long as possible. But that is not as straightforward, because a brand can be either a solution or a reward itself, or it can be the bridge to a solution or a bridge to a reward. So we can understand brands as playing the role of vessels taking us to some destination and harbors being the destination. With fixer brands, it's rather easy. You have a problem, you want to eradicate it as quickly as possible, so you want to interact with these brands as quickly and effortlessly as possible. Whether it's a vessel or a harbor brand, the shorter you interact with these brands, the more likely it is for you to repeat purchase them. With rewarding brands, it's more interesting. In the pandemic, two rewarding industries won much more of our time with them namely gaming and video streaming. The king of the latter domain is, of course, Netflix. So how long should the interaction with Netflix last for us to keep this relationship for as long as possible? Is it a vessel or a harbor brand? To answer that, we should consider Netflix as a video platform, but also as a content producer. From the content perspective, it's probably a question how long an episode should last. So if Netflix were cable TV, the length of a single episode would be dictated by programming and commercial breaks. You had to fit in a typical commercial hour, which meant more or less 40 minutes of a show and 20 minutes of uh, commercials. Now Netflix can define the length as they please, but interestingly enough, they don't change this format. The top 10 Netflix series all have episodes running for about 40-50 minutes each, although their creators could pick any other runtime format. Judging from Nielsen data, the attention intensity does not vary significantly per different runtime formats, so that could be an explanation. But at the same time, our attention span decreases constantly. Number of simultaneous tasks on our, on our plates inflates, so one could argue that once popular 40 minutes episode could be reduced for the benefit of a show, keeping more people more engaged. But as the writer of the House of Cards says, 
Netflix has been open to the, to, to the new runtime formats, but the team is so used to the learned practice that they decided against it. And it's not even their goal, as he says. It's rather more important to write the show and its plotting in a way to promote binge-watching, which now takes as much as five hours every single day. So as a content provider, Netflix can be classified as a harbor brand, a destination brand. And apparently, they are not afraid of stealing five hours every day of our unreplaceable time. Now, Netflix as a platform, in turn, went all the way, as we know from a brick-and-mortar video rental store, to the most intuitive video online platform right now. The interaction with Netflix is designed to last as short as possible, especially when you know what you want to watch. And if you're in the more exploration mode, it will take you intuitively, prompting you with the personalized options. In both cases, it's designed to be as effortless, almost mindless as possible. In this incarnation, Netflix is a vessel brand, bridging us to their content. So Netflix wants us to interact with their platform for only as long as it takes to enter their content and then glue us for hours with their shows. So they minimize the barrier to Netflix as a vessel and maximize the reward from Netflix as a harbor. It's a very, very simple and intuitive example. But brands need to understand these distinctive roles. It can be, as we saw in the case of Netflix, very, very successful. The second winning industry is gaming. Pretty similar at first glance, a lot of rewarding there. I wanted to understand the runtime logic in this category, so I talked to Adrian, a chief creative officer of one of the most successful AAA video game producers in the world. He argued that in gaming it's becoming more and more challenging to write a script to keep gamers engaged with their products. Each adventure in a game, or a logical opening to closure experience, must get shorter and shorter. With growing average age of a gamer, they just don't have so much time to sit for more than 15-20 minutes at a time. If they don't experience any form of victory in that time span, eliminating a villain or moving up to the next level, they will not experience any reward which they expected entering the game and hence may refrain from buying new products of this producer in the future. So, creative people in gaming have to work harder to deliver that rewarding experience in a much shorter time now, which still have to make sense for the whole story. Here, the interaction with the brand must be reduced in order to keep consumers equally engaged. So I thought about it, and maybe perhaps from the psychological perspective, gaming as a physical activity is very important, but still, it's a vessel after all. And uh, the harbor is this glorifying, victorious feeling which consumers would like to get as soon as possible. That's what I at least could conclude from my vivid talk with Adrian. Another interesting industry, cameras. We probably still remember analog photography printed out and collected in our heavy albums. We loved it, but they have just become very, very cumbersome in comparison to our iPhone's camera experience. But what exactly is here the vessel and the harbor? Some brands made that choice and picked this analog haptically rewarding experience as a harbor, which seems to be especially appealing in the over-digitized era. I'm talking about 
instant cameras here. Buried and reborn couple of times already, but now flourishing at their best. I've noticed them recently growing in number at weddings. Fuji, Instax and Polaroid are now frequent companions of digital photography at different occasions. The immediate printout that you can see and especially touch and share and maybe even glue into your wedding album during the event itself makes this brand interaction very desirable, if not nostalgic. And to make this reward happen, you just press one button. Fuji understood that the reward is not the picture-taking process, however digitally pimped up it could be, which is just a vessel here, but actually it's as the savoring what the picture represents in its very, very physical form. The interaction with Fuji, with the Fuji brand, lasts only for a second, but this second is a bridge to a memorable experience after that. And that one second is what makes people buy it so frequently. Fuji Instax is a growing franchise with almost 8 million units sold in 2018. And this product, this Fuji Instax One product, has become a top seller on Amazon among all cameras. Yet another rewarding category which could choose their role differently. Coffee making machines. Nestle, Chibo and many other coffee brands selling coffee machines had a choice. Long brewing and preparation ritual could be a reward. Could be the harbor. Mimicking the experience from an Italian cafe somewhere in Tuscany. But they opted for the savoring of a taste as a reward, while the access to this taste should be as quick as possible. In this case, the interaction with the brand is a combination of a super quick machine experience and the relaxed coffee time. And what keeps consumers with these brands is actually this super quick machine experience as it represents the minimum effort to get a more desired re reward. Same development we can see with barbecues equipment, microwave ovens, workout gear and thousands of other brands and categories. Looking at the data presenting what people mostly spend their money on, of course, beyond mortgage, education, health, holidays and so on, where brands there are chosen under very, very specific conditions, these, uh, this, these data indicate that brands mostly have the vessel nature, where they serve as a bridge to some destination reward or some destination solution. So now, very importantly, let's quickly flash back and make an important link here. As we mentioned before, Consumers claim that 70% of brands could disappear tomorrow and nobody would care. So brands tend to grasp tight on all occasions to build regular usage. Regular usage of vessel brands is done by making a brand deliver benefits as simple, almost as invisible as possible. That, as we discussed in the psychology and communication series, brings brands on the autopilot level in consumers' behavior and ensures the so-called non-conscious loyalty. For that, the interaction with the brand must be, of course, as short as possible, regardless whether the brand solves a problem or delivers a reward. As long, of course, as they are vessel brands, so bridging brands. Because there are still those brands, the interaction with which still delivers the reward in itself. I personally enjoy interacting with brands of music instruments, vintage cars and a good wine. I believe interacting with them is rewarding. Maybe I naively consider that they are not time depriving at all 
and they're kind of a goal in themselves. They're truly, for me, harbor brands. I've worked for almost 30 brands from 15 industries, but never for a harbor brand, it seems. And when I look back, all strategies I had the pleasure of composing and which proved to be very successful, kind of invited consumers to reduce the time spent with all those brands. All those vessels solved problems faster or delivered the reward more conveniently. I wonder if you did work for Harbor Brands, how is that different and how did you design the customer experience with the thought in mind that interacting with your brand is a consumer's goal in itself, that you are making consumers more happy the longer they interact with your brand. That must be a very privileged but also probably very responsible job. As always, please share your experiences on Vessel and Harbor Brands. I'm so happy to learn from them. See you next time.